Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, a place for adolescent and family healing. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If your family is struggling and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their trained professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Your child should not have that much power over you to be able to manipulate your emotions. If you think about it, if your child, by what they do or say, can cause you to be angry. And again, one of my pet peeves is nothing makes you angry. We have to be in charge of our own emotions. We say that all the time. Boy, she just makes me so angry. Or that kid can push my buttons. All that tells me is you have buttons to push. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Paradox. I'm Jimmy welcome, Myers. Welcome, welcome, I am Josh Myers. And we're really glad that you're here. Um, if you would like to get a hold of either one of us, we're on every platform possible. For myself, because yours your old doc something. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, it's J Myers Fam, J-M-Y-E-R-S, Fam is in family, J Myers Fam. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook, Dr. Jimmy Myers. If you want to follow me, Josh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, you can hit it, him up. It is on a, Doc. Any of those, just hit him up. I'm talking here. <laughs> it's Doc Josh Myers, D O C Josh Myers. Uh, if you want to follow the show, uh, it is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all of those platforms. It's Docs, D-O-C-S, podcast. And then, of course, our website, paradoxpodcast.com. Uh, we update on all those platforms as well as our website, interesting articles that we're reading on parenting and family, uh, marriage as well. Uh, we're also updating family personal photos um, and and just information about the show. So definitely look us up there. So today we're going to be talking about an issue that hits every one of us close to home. And if you say that this does not hit close to home, then you're a big fat lying liar. I may not have even met you personally, but you're a big fat lying liar. The issue is parental anger. And I didn't know, so personally speaking, I did not know that this was an issue for me until I had children. <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, I, I never I didn't know really, I could get mad. Yeah, I never really knew I, I had it in me um, in, in, until kids. And they, they really can bring it out of you. Yes. I, I was, when we were talking earlier, I was sharing the story of this uh, client some time ago. Um, uh, mom of a 15-year-old daughter, and they were in a screaming match about something. And the daughter, in the midst of this screaming match, said, I hate you. And the mom said, well, I hate you too, you little beep. Called her the B word. And at that second, that mom just wanted to end her life. She just couldn't believe that that word came out of her mouth. But she was in a situation very similar to that of King David. Um, back, if you look at the very beginning of the story of David and Bathsheba, and we all know that story, I will not tell it again, even though I tell a quite entertaining version. 
It said the I think like the very first few verses says in the springtime when kings go off to war, David was at his palace, and so the the, the whole thing of adultery and a child born out of wedlock and the murder of the husband, all of those things occurred. First and foremost, because David was where he wasn't supposed to be. So that mom, in a yelling match with her 15-year-old daughter, was in a place she should not have been. Yeah. Yeah. And so bad things happen. That's kind of like my nothing good happens after midnight philosophy that a lot of parents have. And it's, it's just simply true. Nothing good happens after midnight. Uh, and nothing good happens when you're in a screaming match with your child. You are where you are not supposed to be. Yeah, she should have never been there. Yeah. And so it's it's not really like we can make the decision to not be there once we're faced with that moment. Mm-hmm. We have got, it's, it's a proactive stance that we have to take long before that moment. Uh, we have to unlearn old patterns and relearn new ones to never be in that situation. I think that, and this just comes from, you know, years of working with families, that parental anger, not anger in and of itself, but parental anger, I believe, is the most destructive force within a family. You know, a child can be angry and have a tantrum and, you know, whatever, um, because they're children. But the adults, the parents, they're supposed to be mature. They're supposed to have grown up. They're supposed to have developed other coping mechanisms other than screaming to cope with conflict. Yeah, it's it, it, anger is um, when we feel backed into a corner, when we're made to feel small and inadequate, we get big and loud with anger. And a parent should never be in a place mm-hmm. where they're fe- feeling small and insignificant, yes. not heard of uh, or not heard by. Um, and so, yeah, parents should never be in a place where they're feeling insignificant enough to to get loud and big in anger. Um, you, you, you want to tell parents, as I do all the time, um, your child should not have that much power over you to be able to manipulate your emotions. If you think about it, if your child, by what they do or say, can cause you to be angry, and again, one of my pet peeves is nothing makes you angry. We have to be in charge of our own emotions. We say that all the time. Boy, she just makes me so angry. Or that kid can push my buttons. All that tells me is you have buttons to push. It doesn't tell me anything about the kid. So when someone says, uh, my kid makes me so angry, stop saying that because it's not true. But we say it enough to where we begin believing that it's true, that we are absolute victims. We're hapless victims. And our minor children force us to become angry. And that is simply untrue. We choose to respond in anger. And first and foremost, we need to recognize that it is very, very disruptive. People, your children will be in therapy when they're 45, not because you had a nice time on a picnic, but because you got really angry and called them a beep. And adrenaline has a lot to do with that. Yes. So if we, we have to understand the root of, of all of this is adrenaline. Um, that, uh, that young lady who screamed, I hate you, was hopped up on adrenaline. 
the mother was hopped up um, on adrenaline. And so it's important to understand the role of adrenaline because so many of us will say, get your butt back over here, young man. We're going to deal with this right now. And that's like the worst time to deal with it. You're jacked up on adrenaline. The kid is jacked up. Uh, and so, and, and when adrenaline, when you're thinking with adrenaline, again, nothing good is going to happen. Um, when you are, when you're thinking with adrenaline, if you think about, well, there's this kind of rule of thumb that adrenaline trumps serotonin. I mean, obviously that's not exactly a biological thing, but when the adrenaline is coursing out, the serotonin's being sucked in. So when someone gets really, really mad, they, they literally stop thinking correctly. When someone gets really mad, there are some people who their brains tell them, yes, I think I will punch a wall. Yeah, that is my best option right now. And they punch a wall. And then on their way to the ER with the broken knuckles, they're going, well, what was I thinking? Well, you weren't. And so when we're jacked up on adrenaline, we're literally not thinking right. Therefore, we say what we shouldn't say. We do what we shouldn't do. Therefore, uh, we've got to get the adrenaline out of the room. So getting adrenaline out of the room is critical. That, and if there's, if there's something that we could brand on the frontal lobes of all parents, it would be our first response is our worst response. If we always understood that, that the first thing I think about doing is the worst thing that probably I could do. So that's why you never want to say, get yourself over here. We're going to deal with this right now. Because we will say things. I remember when, uh, when you guys were like in junior high and your mom had Sarah at the mall and Sarah did something and your mom said, that's it. I'll never take you shopping with me again. And of course... I'm just thinking from her lips to God's ears, if that could have just been true. But we do, we'll, we'll get mad and in the moment we'll say things that are so dramatic and then we never follow up on them. And so some, then our kids start rolling their eyes at us when we make threats about what we're going to do and never follow up. Our first response is our, many of you out there in, in a, just a flash of rage has slapped your child. Uh, not good. That's, that's what happens when adrenaline is just oozing out of every pore of our body. So when something happens, our, our first and most important thing to do is get the adrenaline out of the room. I want to pause, and if that has occurred, and if you ever have lashed out in any moments, there's a ton of parents that have a hard time apologizing to their children. We must right that parental wrong. Um, we have to go back and apologize for those things that we have done to wrong them. God does not require perfect parents. He requires good enough. And so you're going to fail them many, many times over. And it actually can be a huge relational strength, and it can bond y'all by you admitting fault. I see a lot of young boys that believe their fathers are perfect because uh, their, their father seemingly never apologizes to things so that he then appears perfect in those moments. Um, but, but when you do wrong to your children... Okay, fine. Um, You're putting the guilt trip on me, so I'll apologize. <laughs> when back, you, back when I hit you with uh -huh. that aluminum Little League baseball uh -huh. bat, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm exactly. so sorry I dented the bat. 
Well, it's why, I shouldn't have hit you in the head. That's why my face is deformed to this day. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry. That was so, a great bat. Apologize. You're not going to be perfect, and that's okay. Um, and you can show really a redemptive process to them by apologizing for those times where you use destructive anger. So uh, part of the problem is anger is certainly destructive. Um, another part of it is that it really sets the emotional tone for the home. Um, and ideally, if, if we're for par- positive parenting at all, we are going to be for loving nurturing, caring environments. And anger is really the antithesis to all of those things. And the interesting thing is, is we can kind of have 75% of the time really positive, caring, emotional atmosphere. But if it's filled with the other 25% filled with anger, so often your children are going to remember the anger even if it's the minority of the time. So really any source of anger is, is going to control the atmosphere within the home, so we have to remove it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say this. So biblically speaking, there is righteous anger, but I firmly believe that it is really hard to do that as human beings. Um, I would say 99... We're not that right. Yeah, 99% of our anger is unrighteous. Sin. Righteous anger, uh, a way to put that simply is anger that actually looks to change injustices. All right? So um, MLK's anger towards um, police officers and just the civilization, um, what, 56 years ago, um, that was absolutely righteous anger. But 99% of the time, we're fighting for our own wants and desires, and it's not towards an injustice. So um, traditionally, you're wanting to stay away from anger as a whole. So um, it certainly is destructive. It sets the tone, and it also becomes generational. When I have a kid in my office struggling with anger, I ask the parents, which one are you the angry ones? Um, and it, it, it is something that then multiplies itself over the generations. And another thing is anger, we, we think anger is communicating how important the issue is. That's what we think it's communicating. Um, that's why we get purple in the face and, you know, use it. our kids can count the veins in our forehead uh, because we're going, wow, this is really demonstrating to them how important this issue is. And we are so mistaken. If you remember uh, a father just uh, in a rage episode uh, or a mother just in a rage episode, uh, that didn't communicate importance to you. That communicates rejection, uh, dislike, uh, abandonment. Uh, It communicates a lot of things, but it doesn't communicate what we think it's communicating. Uh, because, and if you think of it back to, you know, the, the righteous anger, we've all sinned. I've certainly sinned, but again, I've never experienced the wrath of God. Uh, I've experienced his discipline, but I've never experienced his wrath. And if we're supposed to be to our children as God is to us, then our parents, I mean, our children should never experience our wrath, our discipline without question, but never our wrath. And lastly, it's divisive. So if we are trying to engineer a a healthy culture within our home, we're wanting a sense of oneness. 
anger again is the antithesis to that. So it's it's gonna work against that goal of oneness. It's going to really put everybody on different sidelines um, to where y'all are competing against one another, and that you're you're really all only fighting for your wants and needs and desires. Uh, when ideally families should all be for each other. Yeah, and I want to go back to something that Josh mentioned before we kind of get to the solution, and that is. 99% of parental anger is sin. It's not justifiable. You'll want to justify it, but it's unjustifiable. Um, you couldn't stand before a holy God and say, well, the reason that I screamed, well, the reason that I dropped that F-bomb is because you can't do it. There is no justification for it. So when you're trying to justify in your head, well, if that kid hadn't a... Mm -mm. When we lose our temper, that is 100% on us. And keep this in mind, as we move to the solution, yelling is not a demonstration of power. Yelling is a demonstration of weakness. When we yell, your child wins because they've succeeded in dragging us, the adults, down to an eight-year-old level of conflict management. So keep in mind that I'm not taking control of the situation and, and I can yell them down. Uh, you know, so it's a show of my, my power as an adult. It's actually a demonstration of your weakness. Control is so much more intimidating than out of control. Um, uh, it, it, the Hannibal Lecter has always voted the, the scariest movie villain of all time uh, with Silence of the Lambs. And if you look at him, he's in that press jumpsuit. His hair is slicked back. Hello, Clarice. And just... Blah, blah, blah. That was good. I, oh, I know. I, know. I scared myself. Um, but it's because he's so controlled. And so when your child does something and it doesn't phase you, they That's say power. something to try to provoke you That's power. and you just kind of look at them like, oh, you sweet thing. They know that you're bigger and more powerful than they are. And that is very reassuring to them that they can't set you off. I have had countless kids in my office take such pride in being able to set their parents off. They enjoy doing it just to giggle to themselves when it's over with. So, yeah, as we look to, to solutions, the first thing I'm going to say about that is that anger is a secondary emotion. There are a lot of fantastic um, anger management skills out there and ways to diffuse anger. And we're going to talk about um, one acronym here in just a second. But the first thing that we've got to understand off the top is that anger is a secondary emotion. And what I mean by that is that there's a if it's second, then there's a primary emotion of uh, an emotion that comes first traditionally it's a negative emotion that leads to that anger so it's sadness it's feeling disrespected hurt disappointed and it's 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 we we feel like it is a a, a place of weakness or a stance of weakness if we exhibit sadness when we're sad Therefore, we like to blow up and get angry because it feels easier it feels more powerful but 
if anger is, 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 is venomous and as bad as we're talking about, which it is today, then we have got to learn to identify the primary emotion, the first emotion, and stay there. So if you're sad, stay sad. If you're disappointed, stay disappointed. If we let it, if we allow it to go into anger, um, it disrupts the home um, uh, quite a lot. Um, now, here is a practical step that any family can use. Now, this is going to be, you're going to need to have a little bit older children to pull this off. You know, probably older elementary and certainly older than that. But it's called STOP. And, and you use a phrase like, I'm calling a stop to this. This is really effective if you've got a child that is a great debater, that they always want to keep debating the point and keep at it and keep at it and keep at it until finally you just wear down and give in to them. And so the STOP stands for, the S is for stop and walk away. That is separate yourselves. And again, go to your room, young lady, uh, is, is, is more for you than for them. It's to, to create a space for you to get the adrenaline out of your system. And so S stands for stop and walk away. T stands for think about, O oh, your best option. So stop, walk away, and think about your best option. What is the best way to approach this? Probably not to call them a name, probably not to threaten not to take them shopping, you know, until they're 30. What is, what is my most, and, and this would allow you, hey, give my husband a call and let him know what went on, you know, put your head together about what you want to do about it, uh, whatever. So you stop, walk away, separate yourselves, and then think about your best option. And then P stands for pray and proceed with your best option. And if you, before going back into your child, pray and say, God, this is not, not about me being mad. This is not about me being disappointed. This isn't about me venting my frustration. God, this is about you and your child. So I want to walk in that room and I want to listen with your ears and I want to see them with your eyes because this is about reconciling your child back to you. And I'm just sort of your instrument in the room to bring that about. Now, that doesn't mean that the discipline or the consequences are not going to flow like a mighty rushing river. But the attitude I have is going to be one of redemption and not punitive, which is why I really don't like the word punishment, because it denotes something punitive. And we're only talking about consequences for choices. Every choice we make has a good or a bad consequence to it. They made a bad choice, so there is a bad consequence. And I would also say during that prayer, uh, you pray for your child. It's amazing um, the, the empathy that we receive through the Holy Spirit while praying for our kids. I would also pray for yourself and ask the Lord to really guide your heart and your mind to figure out how you wronged them in this instance. It might not be, right? This might be a very black and white, clean cut thing where they did something wrong. But if there's anything that you contributed during that prayer, really ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to that as well. Two other things real quick, and we're going to close. Um, <laughs> you know, people will ask me all the time, you know, my kid just yells all the time. Uh, how can I get my kids to stop yelling? <laughs> I said, well, let's start with you not yelling. Uh, again, Josh mentioned it earlier. We as the parents set the emotional tone of the home. And so if you don't yell, your kids won't yell for the most part. 
You know, anger management is a learned response. And so they basically handle anger the way they see anger being handled uh, by the adults in their life. So number one, if you want them to stop yelling, you have to stop yelling. And the last thing is, uh, I will oftentimes ask, um, say, a dad who's got an anger problem, you know, hey, listen, what could your, um, you know, your nine-year-old daughter, Chelsea, what if she said something to you really, really rude and offensive? Would you just haul, ball up your fist and hit her just as hard as you could right in the face? No, of course not. But I mean, what if, I mean, what if it was really rude? Never. So what you're saying is there's ne there would never be a scenario where you would hit her just as hard as you could right in the face. Absolutely not. Say, okay, Mr. Out of Control, you actually are demonstrating control. So you're saying that there is a point in which nothing would justify hitting your daughter right in the face as hard as you could. That's exactly right. Okay. Then all we have to do is take that line, move it back to yelling, screaming, cursing. There is no justification for it. We think there is, there's not. The problem is there's no justification for hitting them in the face. But screaming and yelling at them, absolutely. Do you know what that kid did? Because we feel justified in doing it. And there is no, listen to me, and again, we always encourage you, you know, do podcasts together, uh, husband and wives. Listen when I say there is no justification. And if we want to say, well, okay, fine, I shouldn't have yelled at her, but anytime we apologize with a big butt on the end, it's not an apology. You are putting responsibility for your bad behavior off on a child. And they think, we as parents think that that's the only way our child will listen. But that's actually the quickest way to get them to shut us out, right? They turn their ears yep. off so quickly when we're yelling at them. Study upon study has shown it's not effective. Well, think about it with your spouse. You know, as soon as you feel the yelled out by your spouse, what are you doing? You're turning them off. It's not like you sit down to your spouse yelling at you and go, Oh my gosh, you're, you're right. right. No, wow. you go on the defensive, and that's exactly what your kids do. Attack, doing. defend, attack, defend. All right, guys, parental anger. Hey, thanks for joining us thanks today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, look us up on the web. Good show today, Jimbo. Peace out. Don't get mad. <laughs> don't, don't ever say that again. Yo, G. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. Special thanks to Life Austin Church in Austin, Texas, and our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Gar. To find out more about the Paradox and to sign up for email updates, go to our website, paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Let's say that, and this is fictitious, but let's say, you know, there's so a... this a, is theoretical, what correct, you're saying. Okay. Like a podcast host, he's a... Uh, he's a clinical counselor. He has a PhD in counseling, and he's pitched you seven or eight articles. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hypothetically. Yeah, this is all hypothetical. And he's, sure. he's been rejected time and yeah. time yeah. again. Yeah. How does one create thick skin and really not take that personally? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm assuming you did that for the sake of this bit.